This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Get in touch with the show. All of our contact details can be found at holradio.net forward slash contact. Hi and welcome to Homestay Radio. I am your host, Chris Hambling, and once more it's my privilege to guide you through our analysis of another Palace defeat. This time it was Ronald Koeman's Everton who left Sellers with the spoils of victory. Um, yet, uh, yet the side that turned, uh, t- turned apart, tore apart Manchester City can count themselves fortunate or amoral scum, depending on your view, for taking the win. We'll be discussing the controver- controversy of their winning goal. Scored on 87 minutes by Seamus Coleman, as well as giving our views on the game and Palace in general. We want your views too? Head to holradio.net forward slash contact to find out how to get in touch. And we'll be back right after this message. Got something you'd like to get off your chest? Tweet us now at Whole Radio. Right, uh, let me first introduce my panel. Uh, I have with me today, who shall I start with? Mr. Nicholas Gillard. Good evening, how are you doing? Fantastic, thanks. It's uh, awkward to ask that question at the beginning because then I have to. Does everyone else ask? It's so complicated. No, no, I've, I've just. I really didn't want to come on tonight, but you messing up the introduction has made it all worthwhile, so I'm glad I did. Cheers, Guy. Uh, we also have Mr. Patrick O'Connor. Good afternoon. Yeah, all right. And also in the afternoon, we have Mr. <laughs> William Block. Good afternoon. Hello, I believe you've recently just got married, I overheard while I was there. <laughs> yeah, we haven't told her, we're telling her parents this evening, so I'm glad that they don't listen to the podcast. Well, that's both that's both gratifying and also really quite, you know... Terrifying? Yeah. 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 That could have gone very wrong, couldn't it? It could have done. Yeah. Let's well, move on. <laughs> it still could. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, a couple of things to mention before we get going. We will be opening the phone lines later on. Um, I'll, I'll give you the number a bit later as well. Sorry, Chris. Yeah, what? Are you going to introduce Patrick or what? I did. Oh, you did. Yes, you did. You're not even listening. I'm not oh. even listening. Sorry, mate. Oh dear. What? You haven't been on for a while. I'll give you that. But you started well. That's coming from me. Um. <laughs> anyway, a <laughs> couple, couple of things to mention for you. We've um, 
we've uh, yeah, phone lines will be open later on on a, probably about twenty past eight, something like that, to give you a chance to call in and air your views, um, like many did last week, which is pretty good. Also, um, we are broadcasting live on Facebook as well as the normal channels. Do check that out if you're. Um, thank you to those who are listening live, and of course, those of you who aren't, maybe uh, maybe you want to go and check it out. Um, just head to our Facebook page. Just search Homestead Radio on Facebook. You'll find it. Uh, click on the latest article that says we're live. Um, you'll be able to comment live on that page as we go. Patrick will be keeping an eye on those comments. And Nick will be in the chat room, holradio.net forward slash chat. Uh, building an audience on Facebook is pretty good because it means you know instant contact with the show. Uh, we'll get to as much of your contact as we can this week. Uh, it's anything like last week. We won't get to it all, but um, it's all appreciated. So there we go. Oh dear, where to start though? I mean, you, the obviously the, the tempting thing to do is to start with the the biggest talking point, um, and I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna, you know, probably that's gonna dominate the show. Um, but I, I thought Lee, Lee Bowman sent us a message uh, regarding it, and he said, "I'm sure the main topic of conversation tonight will be about yesterday's game and the opinions on the Schlupp incident slash Everton goal." Um, and he's given his, his thoughts. But the bit I'm going to pick out is he said, you'll find it utterly amazing how both Match of the Day and Goals on Sunday showed their millions of viewers edited highlights of the game to suggest to everyone watching at home the ball never went out of play during the build-up to Everton's goal when it did. Um, and it's... I, I, I felt stronger about the sort of way Match of the Day sort of covered, covered the highlights in general. And you can almost see a split when you look on Twitter and you look at the message boards between the people who saw the match of the day highlights and saw the comments made by those uh, pundits. I did inverted commas air gesture there for pundits, just because you can't see that, can you? <laughs> but I did. Um, and they did. They made it out to be, you know, a really a, a dominant Everton performance and we were lucky to get away with what we did and, you know, we were the ones who were... They had a go at Remy. You know, the commentator said, oh, we should take a look at himself when he was knocked off the ball. It wasn't a foul, granted, but it's not like he dived. He, just, he got knocked off the ball. And there seems to be a lot of negativity on the coverage of Palace at the moment. I think the kind of... If I was being a bit... Go back to my uh, my tinfoil hat-wearing sort of persona, I would say that the general narrative that they want to tell for Palace is is a very sort of angry, frustrated fan base and a team in absolute crisis. Granted, it's not too far from the truth, but the bottom line is yesterday, and I think hopefully that most of the panel will agree with me, that we actually saw a, a performance that was a step in the right direction. So it's it's a bit distressing to see those who weren't there, who didn't experience it or didn't, you know, fully engage with the game to be to be misled by the, the media. It's um very depressing. But I just thought I'd give uh, Lee a quick shout out for that. He sent us a fantastic message. We can't get to it all, but I wanted to use that little part to start off my discussion. Uh, you've seen the highlights, Patrick? On um, I know you watched the game as well, but have you seen that coverage? Uh, yes, I have. What did you think? Similar views? <laughs> See, I, I kind of understand uh, where people are coming from, but that's a matter that it does most of the time. They do edit stuff out. Um, but it wasn't out. I, it? It, was, it, was, uh, it, it created one move out of two separate moves to make right. it look like the thing flowed from one to the other. Now, you could call that good editing or you could call that a barefaced lie. I don't know. I think it would have been better if they, had the, the, they did that. They really should have explained that the ball went out and they didn't do that. And it, So that really adds to the, um, the negativity. I think a lot of negativity could come from the fact that we've lost the last three or four home matches with goals scored in the last five minutes of the game. I think that kind of the carryover, and I think match of the day wants to use it as their 
narrative that we just continue to lose this game like that, and that's why we're in this plight. But I think that's where it really comes from, the fact that this is going to come and happen over and over again. They're getting bored of it too, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I think, I, I think they probably are, yeah. And, you know, you, you raise a really good point in that, yeah, it's another late goal. But, again, the way it happened, Will, you know, it's, you could call it typical Palace, or you could say it's pretty unjust as well. I think um, we were watching a game at the, um, at the pub in, in Philly, actually, where, where all the guys came when we toured, in, toured the States in the summertime. And, um, to be honest, I haven't seen the highlights. I saw the game live on television. I haven't seen the highlights because... There was the Women's March in Philadelphia, so we went out and, and participated in that with the kids. Um, so I, I I didn't see the highlights. I didn't see the, the way they did it. But I just think the performance overall, we were, I was saying to Patrick in that little break, we, you know, it was obvious that um, Sam had told the, the players that no one's job is safe and everyone's fighting for a position. And they did that for about 85 minutes, including the goalkeeper. And um, there was a certain inevitability that they were going to score a goal at some point probably towards the end of the match so yeah, kind of that, just chalked it, chalked it down to a growing performance and we weren't going to get anything anyway Yeah that, that inevitability did you feel that as well Nick or, or were you a bit No more... not at all I was, I was very pleased with the performance I thought we were really really solid up to that point um, until yeah, that point the incident I've, I've got this feeling that there's a conspiracy against Palace this year that at the beginning of the season they said okay Palace are going to be one of the teams to go down this year and and everybody's just been on it. Match of the day, like you said earlier. I I, I really do feel it's becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, yeah, that, and that's, that's the phrase at the moment. And it does seem if something's going to go wrong, you know, if, if it could go wrong for us, it will go wrong for us at the moment. Um, but, you know, look, everyone knows who's, who's listened to the show for any length of time that I was not someone who, who wanted Sam Allardyce at the club, right? But now he's here. Um what we, what we saw against Everton is we, we saw everything he talked about. And we again, with a, with a bit, you know, a few more players to select from, he actually put out a team that was creative in how it went to, to stop Everton playing because they come off the back of a fantastic performance and win against Manchester City where they absolutely tore them to shreds. Um, and, you know, we were right up against it there and we were so unlucky not to get at least a point there. And let's not forget... Hennessy had a great game in terms of shot stopping. We'll talk a bit more about that in a bit because um, it was a dominant sort of topic last week, and there's some things to address on that. But you know, yes, we were lucky in little points, but you know, we've hit the bar as well. We've had a breathtaking save from a header from Dan. There's quite a strong chance we could have won that game if we'd been that little bit more lucky as well. So, you know, I think there's, there's plenty of reasons to be positive there. But let's let's talk a little bit about. Sorry, Chris. Can I just interject? Um, Lee Why not? CPF's- Leeds CPFC, while it's still fresh, uh, Leeds CPFC has said in the chat room, wholeradio.net forward slash chat, Nick, do you not think if this whole conspiracy theory has something to do in that the whole Homesdale fanatics haven't helped with their anti-TV and Premier Greed barriers? I think that's got taking my tinfoil hat persona and, and going, <laughs> going some. Um, like I said, I, I do, part of me, not all of me because I'm not completely insane, but part of me genuinely does believe there is a, a, a fairly, uh, there is a narrative. We've used the word several times today already. There is a degree of narrative about how things are going. But at the same time, you look at the different variables in, 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 in a football match, you can't really have that much control. So I do, I do refer to it as the tinfoil hat kind of thought process because in, in reality, it would be almost impossible to, to guarantee things. But we certainly aren't getting luck and... Sometimes. No, Waggers yeah. has said if you add up all the injustices we have suffered this year, we'd be 
15th. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, he's spawned, he's spawned with that, yeah. Um, but I want to talk about the, the, the 3 5 2, the formation that Gel predicted about three years ago. Um, and we, we've <laughs> talk, we have talked about it a lot. We've had, um, uh, it was Martin Walsh who, who emailed in with a really good analysis of that. But it was interesting to see. I did think when we started targeting a lot of left-sided players, you could play sort of like Van Arnholt's one we're targeting as well. But we got Schlupp in who can play left-back or left-midfield, but is very much suited to a wing-back role. Um, it was very interesting to see. Uh, before I get into what I thought of it, I'll start with, with, with you, if I may, Patrick. What did you think of the 3-5-2? I liked it a lot. And it works because of a player like Jeffrey Schlupp. Uh, he's a perfect wing-back player. He's a little bit like... Um, He's a left-sided um, Victor Moses in that he's more of an attacking player, but his speed allows him to defend very well. So when you have him out wide on the, on the left and you have someone else on the right and you've got the three centre-halves in the middle, especially when you have a left footed one in, in Delaney, Tomkins and Dan, it works really well. The problem I saw in it, honestly, is, um, is Joe Ward can't play it. Yeah. Um, that's going to be the issue. But and listen, he, I, I thought yesterday you know, he put himself about and, and did well enough, but I think you know, long term, if you're going to go 3-5-2, he, he can't be the, 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 the person on that side. has somebody, somebody else. But again, I think it really worked. We got the right play on the left side to kind of make it work. And we had the three healthy centre-halves. I will say this, though. I think he only played yesterday because of West Ham. Uh, as I mentioned in the post-match, that he you know, wanted to match up with them. So I'm not sure if it's a long-term thing, but I did like the fact that we used it. And someone put in the chat or just tech tweeted about where the Wolf play. Um, that would be an issue for me because um, he's not suited for a 3-5-2 at this moment. Maybe going ahead. But um, I like what I saw yesterday out of 3-5-2 a lot. You've stolen my thunder on a couple of topics there. Sorry, uh, sorry. That's all right. No, no worries at all. That's, that's how it should go. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, certainly on Ward, I'll come back to that point. And on, on where Wilf would fit in, that's where me and me and Jill part ways on what we thought. Because <laughs> he thinks Will, uh, Will should be a, a wing-back. And I think yeah. that's insane. Uh, but, but, um, I'll, bring, I'll bring you in on that now, Will. Um, your views on the three-five-two. Anything to add from, from what Patrick was saying? No, I think, um, I think the formation actually looked pretty good yesterday. I was... Um, I, I was impressed the way that the three centre halves conducted themselves, and we were—you'd see a corner coming in, and you'd think we've got those three big centre halves plus Benteke. Yeah. We should be a, a really big threat from dead balls, like we um, like we have been in the past. So, I was I was happy with the way the team lined up. Um, I think I think Joel Ward was um, exceptional, mainly because he's been so abject recently that any improvement makes him look very good. And I thought he was—I thought he was good yesterday. Um, I think to the point of where would Wilf play? Um, when you have a player as exceptional as Wilf, you 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 sort of form the team around having him on the pitch. I don't think he would do a good job as a as a right wing back. Um, he's obviously a brilliant winger. Um, so, but you know maybe you 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 frame the team to compensate for your best player, and he's definitely our best player. So, I think you change I, I, the formation for him. I think he'd make a brilliant wing back, Will. Because he's doing that job almost already, isn't he? <laughs> he's, he's doing two jobs at the moment, yeah, winger and back. Um, yeah, I but it's, I mean, um, and I think he's got the energy. Um, sh- hopefully we'll get him back this week. Shut up, shut up. Well, maybe he's the second striker and he's got more of a free role to go wherever he wants. Um, maybe that's where he fits in and there's, a, there's someone else playing on the right side of midfield. I don't want him. I don't want him in any way negated by the responsibilities of a wing back role, particularly yep. when we start playing the better sides. You know, what I mean, if, he, if he's if he's so if he's that deep uh, in, on on the pitch, it's 
you know, you can't break out. You've got you've got no means of getting out there. We've got no one else really who's going to carry that ball. And you see things yesterday where you see the likes of the, the, the problems I have with three five two. You've all you've all covered the the really positive points that, that you know it looks a really good system for us against uh, against Everton to counter their strengths. But the the limitations of it are you have you end up with. Um, Benteke and Remy drifting really far into the channels. The number of times Benteke was left wing and then being criticised for, for not being able to produce anything from that position was very frustrating for me to see because the one time he was in the centre and got a decent bit of delivery, he hits the bar, you know, very unlucky not to score. So again, you start getting the knives out for Benteke when you're thinking, well, actually, you know, he's not played in a two with, with Remy before and he's also having to get wide left because we've been being pushed back that way by the fact that Everton's fullbacks get up so high in the pitch so it really there was limitations there I felt, felt there were limitations that made me particularly angry first half with with the three uh, centre-backs standing in the line and all Lukaku had to do to get space was to take two steps backwards and he was and, and no one went with him we just we just watched him uh, and he has that ability as the most obvious man on the pitch yet he seems to be invisible to half our defence um, good player, and that's that's the sign of a good player. But again, I felt that was a limitation because the the, the three of the centre backs were kind of playing a system they hadn't played and playing together in, in a way they hadn't done so before, and that that was weird. And again, that got addressed at half time, and we were a bit tighter on them. Because, but you know, you're thinking, God's sake, there's three of you there marking one player. One of you just can't stand on him, you know. Well, <laughs> ever, ev- ever. evident by the goal that was ruled offside that he was standing all on his own. In the penalty yeah. area, and he had time to, to take that shot. Absolutely right, yeah. And it's it, bang on, Will. And that wasn't that was that was the the most obvious event, but it happened time and time again. Uh, and there were moments in the second half where he because he, he wasn't getting that space anymore, he still managed to drop into the gap between defence and midfield and be and be invisible. So there are limitations to the system, right? and you know, it, it wasn't an overall roaring success, but it was a good way to play with the personnel that we had. Uh, it, we, against the team cool. it was good when, when we were uh, more attacking attackive but we seemed to sit a bit too deep in the second half for my liking and was that because of the fitness or, or what I don't know or was it holding on for the draw rather than going for the win well, we, I, I, I per- we were too deep I, I personally think it was a, it was a slight reorganisation by Everton um, at half time to try and you know, because there was a, th- a few things that we did they would not have predicted. Now, so Kuman and his coaching staff were able to make the adjustments to kind of get in, to get at us a bit better, and they and they did do that. And but it, pressure did tell. It does mean that you know, as we play it more, it means we can have that versatility because we we have always moaned that Pardew never had a plan B, and yeah. all of a sudden we've seen our plan B in in practice yesterday almost, haven't we? Yeah, you do have to look at it on a, on a on a do have to look at it on an individual game by game basis. And Pardew talked about that a lot when he was at Palace, but we just we didn't really see it in action too much by the end of that thing. Patrick, you wanted to make a point. Yeah, I want to make a point about um, Wolf playing the wing back position. Why I don't think it would work. Um, when we had Yannick um, as part of the uh, team last year, what what Yannick brought to us, we don't have is a player that can bring the ball thirty yards down the field and hold it and do kind of thing and create create chances. We, we're missing that, and Wolf not being here, you know, we're missing that. And if Wolf is playing more defensive, there's no way he can get he can get forward and make those three yard runs that will get us out of trouble and create opportunities. Yeah. One thing I love about Wolf this year is what he's an eighth or ninth best assist maker in the league. We always thought about him not having an end product, and the reason was because you know he played differently. Now playing as a as a real wide player, he gets to create more chances. Having a wing back negates all of that, and that's why I don't think it worked for him. 
Um, he'd have to be one of, the, like I said, he'd have to be either one of the uh, the two up front behind Benteke, which he's doing right now, by the way, for Ivory Coast, out in um, the Afcon. He played m- much more attacking than he played for us. So I don't think Wilf works as a wing back for that reason. He, he it negates what Wilf does well. Yeah, that's a fair point. A very fair point. There's a lot of support for it though on uh, on Twitter. We've had uh, Rossi's got in touch with a series of applauding hands for you there, Nick. Uh, <laughs> uh, Andrew Martinuk has uh, got in touch saying Moses can do it for Chelsea. Wilf capable of doing it too. Different formations, positions depending on opposition, which I think is a point being made that it does depend on uh, on, on the opponent as to whether or not it's even worth trying in the first place. Uh, P. Thomas saying Wilf would be much better if he was here helping us out. Very true. Uh, I was asked by BT Sport which BT Sport that is can pronounce that properly. Uh, which player I would sign past you know past or or you know retired or whatever uh, to help Palace and I said Wilf Saha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, CPFC podcast have said that uh, correct Nick. He's good at tracking back. Obviously fantastic going forward. Can fit into a three-four-three, which is a slightly different formation I'm interested to see how that the attacking three ahead of him would work anyway my brain hurts even thinking about that uh, Nick <laughs> you've got some chat stuff yeah some uh, miscreant called Boo in there said Wilf is a natural forward so if we are going to stick him out wide he has to learn to be a wing back this all part of you know progressing as a footballer uh, Waggers agrees with me that his defending's gone up um, booted Eagles impressed with uh, Schlupp's strength of pace and he needs to go Forward when necessary seemed a bit reticent yesterday. I'm sure we'll uh, talk about that. And Mo Sislak, love that name. Pardew didn't have a plan A, let alone a plan B. <laughs> brutal, absolutely brutal. Um, yeah, well, look, it's, we, we were, in terms of a team display, as I said, I do think those that were were there kind of came out came away with a much more positive outlook um, than than those that weren't. And it, it is, you know, it. It wasn't a terrible performance. It was a step in the right direction for me. Um, Patrick, I know you've, there's, there's a bunch of comments on, on the Facebook feed, uh, which is another way of listening if you weren't listening earlier on, just to point you in the direction of that. Go to our page, Homestale Radio, on Facebook to get involved there. There's a bunch of comments on there. I don't know if you're going to pick any of them out, but I will come to you in a bit. That's just me sort of talking around it to kind of give you a bit of a, give you a, bit of a prod in that direction. Is that I've something enough? Have you? You ready? Yeah, Let's a couple do it. Let's on, do it. on the formations. Uh, Gaz Griffith says, can we just try a simple 4-4-2? Uh, Alfondo Greenbrook, Zaha could play the wing back in a 3-4-3, which I'm not sure about. You said that just now, Chris. Um, interesting. And then a couple of, couple of general uh, comments. Daniel Opoku said, I think we played not to lose. And yes. Adam Monk, it was a tough battle in the performance and definitely deserved the draw. Wayne was amazing. <coughs> Sorry. Um, Match of the day is a joke. Media have been waiting for us to go down for ages. They hate us. Can't wait to prove them wrong again. Some interesting points in that. Uh, we also got a message on Twitter from Gordon Bennett, who has a picture of uh, Phil Mitchell as his Twitter profile picture, which is um, which I'm enjoying thoroughly. And he says, Will really should be only playing there in games where teams come to sit back. So the likes of Sunderland, Burnley, Hull, Middlesbrough, Leicester, that kind of a thing. Uh, that's his view there. Um so just to round off the point about the general performance, um, no, apparently we've lost audio. Well, that doesn't really help for Mikey to tell me that in the middle of a thing. I need to shut down Facebook. It's distracting me. Um, hopefully we can, you can all still hear us. Uh, so look, just to, to round off the point about the general, the general thing, Will, I want to get your opinion on this. The, one of the comments in there, I think from, was it from Daniel perhaps, but said, um, 
that we we went out not to lose. And there's a lot of that sort of comment coming from Sam Allardyce. The first thing we got to do is stop losing. Now I got got given a stat by one of the guys at BT yesterday. who said to me, last four games scored one, conceded eight. So when Allardyce came in, he said, "I've got a problem to fix. The problems at the defence. We're scoring goals fine. We now have." If you look at those stats, potentially you could argue we've got two problems to fix. In that we now not scoring, and um, and we're still conceding. <laughs> so, have, has this change created another problem, or is this just part of the process? What do you think? Uh, perhaps um, your conspiracy theory includes our manager, and he's fixed the problem, which is our scoring goals, and um, it's you know the tin the the tinfoil hats. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean we. we so it went so far that the whole big big Sam losing his England job was part of the whole conspiracy. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Tr- but <laughs> bags, bags same of, narrative, isn't it, Chris? Bags of money in Singapore and the local red top rags are part of the conspiracy to send us down. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I think um, you know we're not scoring enough goals. Um, we, we, to, to say we went out not to lose against a team that just beat arguably the richest team in the world four nil. Um, with the the quality of players they've got, isn't such a bad thing. Um, and we did hit the crossbar, and we did have that you know world class save against the Scott Dan effort. And there, there were other bits and pieces in there that showed we were trying to get forward. We played two strikers, so I'm not sure how that's not at least looking for a goal at some point in time. Um, but not not trying to lose against Everton, who are on the up um, after their recent recent run of form, isn't such a bad thing. Um, and I think Sam does that, doesn't he? He goes into a club and he and he builds from the backs, similar to how Pulis, you know, starts at the back and, and works his way forward. Um, so hopefully he'll get that right. Um, on a different day, if Hennessy doesn't make two or three of those brilliant saves that he made, the score could have been closer to four nil than it than it was. And I'm not saying it it deserved that, but you know, we we weren't absolutely rock solid at the back, were we? Because Hennessy was called into action more than one occasion. Yes, that's absolutely right. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. It sits, it sits a little difficult with me when, and I think it's purely on the basis that we're so desperate for points that we need wins. Draws don't really do it. And when right. I hear the manager saying, you know, we've got to stop losing first and foremost, he, he's right. You know what I mean? The guy, the guy knows his stuff. He knows how to stop uh, teams being relegated, and that's to that's to turn it around gradually, to build up a bit of form, and to start, you know, stay, stay in games properly get points and then of course start turning draws into wins but we're you know we're coming to the end of January um, and we're still not there we haven't won in the league under Sam Allardyce and we haven't really drawn much in the league under Sam Allardyce so that for me it sits very difficult when I hear the manager saying that I I know I totally see the argument but but I want you know I, I just want us to go out and win a football match that's and I and I said this um saying this yesterday I genuinely feel that one of the next two, we have to win. Categorically have oh, to win. Sunderland is a must-win, isn't it? Well, I don't Sunderland. know which way we do it. We've just got to get three points in one of the next two games. Uh, yeah. you've, you've got to also factor in every season we have one or two shock wins, shock results, and almost every team in the league does. So we're, we're due a couple of those. I think, we can, I think we can factor those in. Our luck isn't that bad, surely. We're, didn't we, we're, have that, didn't set, we have that against Bolton? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Oh, look, you see, oh, I don't know. I mean, I again talk about the Bolton game. I, I don't want to go too much into this because we've got 
want to have a quick look at uh, some of the individual performances from yesterday and uh, get these phone lines open. But just with a quick reference to Bolton, before we before we actually went out, brought brought Benteke off the bench and scored a couple of goals. You know, the reason we were we were behind in that game and struggling. Yes, it was a worldie, but the reason we were struggling is because we went out with the same sort of attitude as we do in the league, in that we went out and just, you know, that game was crying out for 4-3-3, you know, but we set up with a system that just that just kind of treated them with, with a bit more respect than, than the message that the players were given, which was, these are League One, go out and beat them. I'd like to have seen us actually go out and, you know, if you go and win that game, if you don't win that game 2-1, you go out and smash them. That's that's the only way that game actually means anything. That's the only way it's going to give anyone any confidence. To kind of just scrape through. I don't know if that did us any good at all, really. But that, that, that's 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 beside the point. We you know we we did have a better performance against Everton. And let's have a chat about the uh, the players that were involved in that. First and foremost, let's talk about Wayne Hennessy. Now, James, our caller from last week, I got a lot of sympathy with James because he took some abuse when we uh, when we used his his clip. Um, but the thing is, we we used the clip for the, you know the biggest talking point of the show, and we thought his call was, um, you know, he was he, he came and st- stated his point of view very eloquently. He told everyone why he thought what he thought, um, and he did, and he got some unfair abuse. You could disagree with someone, you really shouldn't abuse them just for having an opinion. No, but that, 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 is, that side, is so so wrong, mate. So yeah, wrong. Sorry. Yeah, so yeah, no, it is. So, but but fair fair play. Look, most people didn't agree. We didn't really agree either. I don't think anyone on the show particularly agreed with James. But he will be feeling a little bit smug today. I did. Um, you know, did you go? Yeah, I agree with him. Julian, love him, bless him. Great display yesterday. Fanatics, well done. I'm not sure what that would have done for Wayne's confidence. But um, no, I think Speroni is now can stay stay with the club, be an ambassador. Uh, get the odd game here and there, but he, he's not league form anymore. Yeah, uh, I'll come to you. You've got some stuff on Hennessy in the chat, but I just want to make a very, very quick point. So obviously, I said James feeling a bit, bit smug. There was a couple of things. Um, he, he, it was a great shot stopping performance. You know, uh, you could argue, of course, that um, you could argue, of course, that, he, that you know that some of those saves he should be making they perhaps looked a bit better than they they were in terms of how he saved them. If you were feeling really negative about him, but Bottom line is he stopped some pretty decent chances there. But it's worth pointing out that in the second half in particular, he made several really basic handling errors. Uh, five. Five, there you go. Five basic handling oh, errors. Oh, you're uh, I was, the, guys, the guys who were sitting next to me at the ground, I'm not sure um, where, where they were from, but they were, sort of, they were sort of enjoying the atmosphere and all that kind of stuff. But the look on their faces when uh, Hennessy, probably number four, <laughs> where he mishandled it, um, and I, I was just losing my mind. It was um, look again. You don't want to dig someone out, particularly when they were probably our man of the match in terms of, of you know overall performance. But I've talked about it before about the yips and you know and, and the, the the confidence that 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 shows. Just there's something wrong there. There really is something wrong. I've said enough, Nick. I'm going to let you talk talk about. What was that noise just then, Mikey? Clip that noise that Chris just made, please. <laughs> it was kind of burpy kind of stuff and a word at once. Somebody in the chat room earlier said, "I can't." I'm, I apologise. It's wholeradio.net forward slash chat. Can't remember who typed it because it was a while ago. Said. What we noticed yesterday is Hennessy pulled off some great saves. He can do instinctive stuff. But when he's got too much time to think, that's when it all goes pear-shaped. <laughs> it's probably fair. Uh, uh, can I, but can, I, can I ask a question then? Yeah. 
was the was the goal he gave up was that instinctive or did he had too much time to think about that goal? <laughs> well, he made I'm himself being, small, didn't he? I'm being serious. Yeah. Does he, um, does, is he have, did he have time to think about that, or is he, is he um, reactive on that one? I'll be honest with you. It didn't I, look good. I couldn't bear to watch match of the day last night, so it was up the other end of the pitch. You know what it's like when there's a scramble in the box. I didn't see enough of it, so I'm going to take the Arsene Wenger um, answer on that. I'm very <laughs> Will, sorry. Will, would you like to uh, would you like to discuss that with Patrick? <clears throat> Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Patrick and I have discussed Wayne Hennessy a number of times uh, in in the pub before, but um, I, th- I think for that particular that particular goal, I, th- I thought he played really well. He even, he even actually came out and claimed a cross, which someone who's 25 feet tall should be doing all day long, but <laughs> he did come out and claim a cross in the first half, which was, which was really good to see. The problem with the goal for me was, obviously, he didn't have that much time to think about it, but... Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. As just before the bloke pulls the, the trigger on the shot, Coleman shoots the ball. Hennessy's already on the ground. He's already made himself small. Yep. So understood that the ball goes flying over his head. That, you know, he's obviously gone down expecting something and it went up, which is, um, which I think is unfortunately his fault. Yeah, see, a lot of the shots he had faced in the second half were all drilled across him. He's got down well for those. Again, not, hold any, not held any of them, unfortunately, I don't think. Um, at least not at the first time of asking, which again does worry you. Um, <laughs> sorry, cool. sorry, no, sorry. Live from the um, chat room, Chris. I've got to do it while it's live. Um, Mo Sizlak again. Um, he wrote. He says uh, I rate Hennessy, and I read it wrong. And he said I made that sound like Hennessy was I rate. I actually rate Hennessy. I'm sure he's a perfectly calm individual, especially with the dead fence he's had in front of him, and that's the best misspelling of the month. Instead of defence, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I actually thought he'd genuinely done that as when you when you read it out. I was like, that's quite a good um, metaphor. You yeah, know, sort of an offensive dead wood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've enjoyed that. Well done, Nick. I was about to. Uh, th- I was thinking I'm going to berate you after the show for your number of interruptions, but you've done well there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you, you, there's a reprieve there. Nice one. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just uh, CPFC GIFs got in touch saying that Hennessy has hard hands and struggles to hold on to the ball at the first attempt. That's another good way of putting it. Um, that's, a problem. that's a problem if you're a goalkeeper, though, isn't it? <laughs> Having hard hands. I would say so. I would say. That's not look, a compliment, is it? It's not. Absolutely not. Um, no, I, I still, I still feel is a problem, even at his very best. And again, maybe you could argue that people are looking for mistakes um, because of how how we've seen him play over the last couple of years but bottom line is you know we're, we're talking about a, a good performance as a as a once in a you know was it one in 20 games kind of event 
know, he's got to, a good goalkeeper gets you 15 points a season, doesn't he, Patrick? Yeah, Chris, and that's the yeah. thing. And, and again, Nick's going to, you know, come at me again, but he played well enough yesterday, but we didn't get a point out of it. No. And playing well in games against Chelsea, losing, Arsenal, losing, Man United, losing, everything losing, it's not good enough. So people could say how great he played yesterday. Again, I'm going to point it out again. He made second, first half he made some good saves. The Funes Mori save was a brilliant save. The other two, I think, Morales and uh, Barkley, any keeper makes those saves. But we're neither here nor there. But in the second half, he started getting nervous and he was parrying every shot. So on the goal that was scored, he parries the shot. Instead of going for a corner, it goes out to Ledley. Ledley kicks it out. Davis controls the ball, plays it behind Damo and Lee, and they score. And on a goal, as Will pointed out, he makes himself small. Why does he do that? He does it every time. He did last week, the, the third goal, he did the same exact thing on the breakaway. He gets down on his knees. Why doesn't he stay and make himself seven feet tall, seven and himself two feet tall? It's, I mean, it's frustrating. It just, it's, it's frustrating. You're talking about technique and you're talking about, again, I'm, I, you know, I'm not, I've never been a goalkeeper. I'm not a goalkeeper coach or anything like that. Usually I go to Terence on these things. Obviously he's not on the show, but... Um, I, again, you've, you've got one or two two options there in terms of you've got you know you've, I guess you've got to try and predict what kind of shots coming from you. So, given the angle that Coleman had, his prediction was it's going to be drilled in low across him. Um, and they do say that, don't they? If you if you're going to shoot shoot across the goalkeeper, yeah, absolutely. But, that's the but point. you know that's so I, I'm I'm giving a bit of defence there that he's that he's had to make a call on it, and that's the call he's made, and he's got it wrong. So. If he, if he stands up tall, maybe he stops it. Maybe it takes his head off. I don't know. It was hit pretty hard. So, you know, look, there you go. It's, it's, everyone sees these things differently. That's that's how we've all seen it, I guess. Um, but Chris, he was offside, so shouldn't count. Absolutely right. Let's let's <laughs> let's let's have um let's have a little bit of a moan about that before I open the phone lines. Just about to do it. I'm digging out the uh, the number as we speak. <laughs> While you're digging out the number, Patrick, isn't it ironic that one of the best handers of the ball, goalkeeper-wise, um, in our lifetimes, was a bloke called Pat Jennings? Maybe if we called Hennessy Pat, he'd get a message. Don't stop patting the ball out. Oh, my God. That was... That was, that was, quite, a, that, quite yeah, that was stretching there. Such a exactly. reach, exactly. Wow, so far back to get caught with a really bad joke. I, I actually blame Chris for not being ready with the phone calls. If, if he was ready, <laughs> about to hear yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Good point. That was one of those things that I, I genuinely think, if you say it quietly to yourself first, actually, no, if it's you, isn't it? You'll still say it anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> How do you know you he didn't? <laughs> yeah, you're quite right. You're quite right. Um, <laughs> Ash Eagle said in the chat, please stop moaning about Hennessy. All right, I'll, I'll give you that. We're going to move on. We're going to move, we're gonna move on. on. It's, it's, it's done. We're, look, beating a dead, we're, we're beating a dead fence here, aren't we? We are. <laughs> <laughs> well done, William. See, that's how you do it, Nick. Um, <laughs> sorry. So I'm going to open the phone lines. If you do want to get in touch with the show today, you can ring us on 0208 123 66 99. It'll almost certainly break the show when you do because Tom's producing today. <laughs> in your face, Tom. <laughs> Um, but uh, that's Tom's reaction to that. I'm quite confused by it. Uh, 0208 123 66 99. If you do want to get in touch with the show today, if you don't, we've got plenty of contact anyway, so don't feel bad. Um, all right, so um, yeah, hmm. Hmm. what next, eh? What next, lads? Just uh, let's talk a little bit. In fact, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to have a little ad break. 
Bell. Homesdale Radio, sponsored by Fanjol.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Okay, let's talk about the Everton goal in a bit more detail. Um, we've mentioned it earlier on. So, Jeffrey Schlupp is uh, is running forward on the overlap, gets into the box, tr- tries to um, wrap his left foot around the ball to get it across the area, knocks it into the side netting. Immediately goes down with cramp off the pitch. Okay, so he's off he's off the field of play. Uh, so, play goes on and rightly so. Um, he shuffles back onto the pitch. Technically, you're not supposed to do that. All right, so I'll accept that. <coughs> not supposed to do that. But he is on the field of play. But it, at the end of the day, we're down to 10 men. It is an injury, so we should not be penalised for one of our players being injured. And that's what keeps getting missed in this discussion, I think, is that it's not It's not like we've had a player sent off. We should not be penalised for the fact one of our players is injured. So anyway, he's there. He's on the, he, has, he is on the pitch. If the referee wants to deal with it by yellow carding him for calling back on, fine, he yellow cards him. But bottom line, he has to stop play. Not while the ball was in play, so when the, it's when the ball goes out for a throw-on. There's plenty of time to do it. It doesn't. Everton haven't done anything wrong. Morally, I think they have. They should. Uh, they would expect a bit better treatment the other way. Wasn't, but by the, wasn't, wasn't Ashley Williams telling him to hurry up with the throw and get, get the game in, in going again? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course That's he was. But, but it's not sportsmanlike. And, they, and, and, and to, to score like they did, to overload the side of the pitch where he wasn't because his first time he really got the opportunity to do that everything about it was just low and underhand but not against the rules you know not against the rules even scoring that way not even being slightly embarrassed and going and milking it in front of the away the away fans that's none of that is against the rules we have to accept it it's it's horrible to watch horrible to take have to accept it two things (laughs) one referee has to stop the game by the letter of the law he has to stop the game when the ball goes out of play Two, offside fractions because of um, Ward at the far. I think it's Ward at the far side of the pitch. Absolute fractions in it, but offside. So we've been done twice by the officials there. And again, when your luck's not with you, that's it. That's that's what happens. And horrific, wasn't it? Who am I going to start with, Patrick? Go on. Yeah, you, you covered it all, didn't you? I mean, we can't afford to be playing ten against eleven with a player down, with the crowd going nuts, thinking they're going to stop the match, and then you know having a, a player slip in on the same side that player was supposed to be covering and for them to score. I mean, I mean, if the ball goes out of play uh, about, I don't know, 50 seconds later on the left side, why doesn't he go over there, check on Schlupp, and then, you know, say, well, okay, you can't come back on, bring his sub on. I don't understand that. It, was, it wasn't great refereeing. I'm not, again, I'm not blaming the referee for the, for the loss per se, but it's something that he could have easily handled and it wouldn't have been on controversy and now there is. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And, it's again. You, you can argue all day about whether or not we, sh- we should have lost the game, and that's what uh, what what BBC Tosspot Alan Shearer did. Um, said his response to Palace fans today was to say that Palace were, and I'm going to use the word he used. Palace no. were shit. That's what he said in large spells of the game, and therefore we deserve to lose. So we shouldn't moan. That's what he said. So disrespectful that is. You know that. Yeah. Hey, so disrespectful it really is. Well, so so no moaning, Will. <sighs> right. Because we no weren't moaning. good enough to win. No moaning, mate. No, none at all. Where, where did he say that? On, on Twitter? Obviously, he didn't it's say on, that on Match of the Day. On, on Twitter, and he is... Uh, at the current the current moment, he is blocking every Palace fan in existence Brilliant. on Twitter for their responses. Brilliant. Not me yet, but he will. <clears throat> he, he, he should block whoever made that statue of him to make him look like um, someone completely different. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, when they make my statue, I expect it to have some sort of resemblance to myself. <laughs> who are they? I don't know who are they. <laughs> are you like going to be a life model in an art class? <laughs> I might as well. Uh, yeah, why not? Yeah, I reckon that is. Get your own statue, mate. Um, my point is, uh, my friend Martin, whose son listens, uh, hello, Martin's son, uh, was sat behind the fan who threw the ball back to the Everton player very quickly. Now, why didn't Palace have a player standing on that Everton player to prevent him taking the throw? Um, Tim Gypsy Hill in the chat room has said, oh, we'd have got a booking. Um, if it had rolled back on, um, which he did anyway. But, you know, so what? We have 11 players on the pitch. That's right. the main thing. We all, we all have players uh, take one for the team when, when the other team's breaking, you know, getting over the halfway line. So why not then? It's part and parcel of the game. You're going to pick up yellow cards. So Yeah, the, uh, yeah I know. As a, it's a very good point. But it just, it just doesn't sit right. Though. It doesn't sit right that this, is, this isn't the first time this year is it that we, we started talking about um, you know poor refereeing performances costing us Alan Pardew you can probably feel and I know Steve Parrish said this on our show a couple of weeks back he could probably feel very very aggrieved at some refereeing decision costing him his job and you know the way we're looking at it I, I, I think it'd be worth before the end of the season just listing all the stuff that's properly gone against us not that's a matter of opinion that's kind of factually gone against us you could go for any team though Chris any team could come up with 16 or 17 look at look at the Arsenal game today look at the Man City game There's, you know we don't see all the games so, you know every, every fan's going to feel beleaguered what we're doing is we're clutching at straws we're looking we're, we're looking for something to say why we're third from bottom Wait, I, wait, wait, wait. I disagree, but go on, where you go? Yeah, I, I, well, I think I think every team will, you know, every team is biased towards their own team. So I think I think you're right there. I think you you could go back and every club will say, well, we had this happen, we had that happen. The problem is when you're not winning games, those things become much more significant. So that thing against um, when Snodgrass took a dive and should have been sent off, and we end up going one nil down as a result of it, rather than being up up, you know, ten versus eleven. Um, you know, those things become much more important. They become much more visible, and you notice them more. Um, I'll draw. I'll draw a, a, a pretty poor analogy, I'm sure, and I didn't say this in my head first, so you can you can scold me. But I live in Philadelphia, and the the fan base here like to like to applaud themselves for being the most you know volatile, aggressive sort of fans in the country. And truth be told, is they're not. The problem is they're not known for winning anything, so they have to be known for something else. Um, you know, if if, if if the if the Giants had never won a Super Bowl, they'd probably say something similar um, about the, their fans. And I think we that we're we're falling into the trap of, you know, saying that we're so unlucky, which I think which I think we are. Fine, But <laughs> if if we were winning, we could kind of laugh it off a little bit, couldn't we? Yeah, we could. We could. Look, there, I get the point you're making, Nick, but it's way too vehement for me to suggest that we're we're clutching at straws. We're not clutching at straws at all. You know, what I mean, no one's no one's making these things up they exist and you might you might be right you might be right to say that every club could point out all these sorts of things but i think if you did the opposite exercise and pointed out all the things that have gone our way i think we'd have a lot less than other people that's just how i feel you might be more accurate you know we're right we're in this little bubble and um you know and we're and we, we feel we're being punished but i don't know i i, I we're, we're struggling that's the bottom line and it's um and and, and we do we <laughs> I just don't, you know, you don't really know where that wind's going to come from at the moment, and that's that's quite the, the scary thing. Um, 
I was thinking this earlier on today. When you, you, you know, to get out of this, you've got to beat the teams around you and nick a win here and there when you're not expecting it. And you look at all the other sides at the moment. You know, Hull, uh, Burn, Burnley, who've gone way up there, but Swansea beating Liverpool. You know, we don't ever look like nicking that result at the moment. It's so frustrating. Uh, on a couple of comments that Mikey was making on the um, on the referee, he was saying that, uh, did you see the Palace players appealing to the referee? They were going mental, brackets. They were not. No one even looked at him. Uh, they were certainly talking to him at the end of the game, but I know what Mikey's saying. Um, you know, the players really should have been protesting that quite strongly. But it's again, they would probably would have thought to themselves, you know, that Everton were doing were doing the right thing because the referee hasn't stopped it. It's done, and you, you know, it's done, isn't it? You know, there's nothing you can do once it's happened, I guess. But would, would, would we would we feel really upset if we'd done the same thing? I think we would have said, oh, we took advantage of an opportunity there. It presented itself, and we went and scored a winning goal. Yeah, yeah, we would, we would, and um, that's exactly what the Everton fans are doing as well, calling it sour grapes and all that. And yes, it is absolutely sour, is. Grapes. <laughs> sour grapes. Um, that was transfer news on the phone. Um, there is no transfer news, but they just Thanks keep it straight. And also, um, when you said people calling the show, they don't actually mean call the individual presenters. Is there a number they can call in on, Chris? Yeah, there is. I, I gave it out a few times earlier, but I believe there's. I'm not, I'm not convinced that it's. Uh, I think we were having some little technical gremlins at the time, which were causing us to go offline on Facebook. I think they're now sorted, which is good. Um, the number is 0800. No, it isn't. <laughs> I've made that up. What is going on with me today? 0208 123 6699. It's a good number, isn't it? 0800. Oh, I did it again. 0208 123 Hmm. Why do I keep thinking it's an 0800 number? There you go. Calls are charged at your local rate and will come out of your minutes bundle. Any withheld phone numbers will not be answered because of some mean people in the past. Um, let's talk a little bit about Jeffrey Schlupp's uh, debut. I, I thought uh, a very, very strong performance from him. I thought uh, he, he offers a lot. But given that we're strongly linked with Patrick Van Arnholt, do you think he's you know, this is this is a sign that Andros Townsend is sort of pretty much done at Palace, and our new left winger will actually be Schlupp rather than him uh, slotting in at left back. What do you think, Nick? Has Patrick's disappeared? <laughs> I think that Townsend is on his way out. With you know, with the caveat that we do get Van Arnholt or even um, Evra. Um, it's just one of those things that didn't work with Townsend. Um, don't forget, we've also got Sacco coming back this week, um, by all accounts, because he's not doing very well in the uh, AFCON. Um, yeah, I think Schlupp is a very, very good addition. Um, was he Leicester's player of the year a couple of years ago? Um, it was young player of the year a couple of years in a row, I believe. Yeah, so he's got the pace. Um, he obviously hasn't got the fitness because he goes down with cramp with five minutes to go, but that will come. Um, I think he's exciting. I think it's a new challenge for him. And I don't think he's as much of a journeyman as perhaps Townsend is. And that, that's the danger of buying buying known players, isn't it? Adebayor springs to mind. Uh, God yeah. bless him. Um, and the expectation's already there. He's, he's a fairly unknown name. So he's, he's got to prove himself to get himself more known, if that makes any sense. That's, well, he's also quite... Uh, obviously a very, very, very quick player. Is that something that's been missing in our team, do you think, that sort of explosive pace? You've really only got Will with proper pace in the side. 
Definitely, yeah. because if, if you think about it... I said it, to like, Will, I said that to oh, Will, shut up, That's all right, I'm sitting here designing my own statue, so you, you, you carry on with that. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I, I was really impressed with him. I, I said to my son as we were watching the game, and I, you know, I said, look, it, it's funny what you get. Sometimes Palace players don't seem to be able to do just the basic stuff really, really well and be sort of a role player in a team. Um, and allow the the really flair players like the Wilfs and the and the Bentekes and the Remys and so forth um, to do their job. And I, I thought Schlupp was was really good. I was happy to see that he knew, you know, when and where to make runs and when and where to pass the ball. Um, I was disappointed that he went down with cramp at the end. That wasn't that wasn't great. But um, yeah, I, I was really happy for him. I know I know Patrick's a big fan of Van Arnholt. We were texting about it um, not too long ago when when we were linked with um, Jenkinson as well. Um, so I'd, I'd be delighted if he came on board. I'm not. I'm not sure if there was some sort of personal issue between Townsend and Pardew because he certainly didn't seem to be putting in the, the required effort. But I wouldn't be surprised if if he stays as well. I think he, you know, on form. He's obviously an England England quality player. So why wouldn't we Why wouldn't we try and get that form out of him rather than sell him possibly back to Newcastle? Yeah, he's. Um... His performance uh, against Bolton in, in the cup was actually it wasn't brilliant, but but he put in some proper effort in that game. So, you know, I do I do really really hope that Townsend can can turn this around. But the, the general feeling seems to be that he's a player who hasn't settled at the club and a player that wants to go. So, um, you know, I kind of it's, it's, again, I, I, it's been a huge disappointment, really really big disappointment. What you've got to think about, Chris, is, you know, we're talking about uh, FFP. Was, he, was it you who, who went on a bit of a monologue last week about the wage bill? So it how much would it take off the wage bill to allow us to bring somebody else in? Because yeah. if, if he's on big, big wages, then maybe we could not downsize a bit, but take a bit of a pump. Yeah, that's something that's, that's really relevant as well. And again, I'm, I guess not everyone picked up on it when, when Steve Parrish was on there talking, um, that he mentioned FFP a, a fair few times. And again, it's, you're not talking about transfer fees. You are talking about the fact that there is a cap on the amount you can add to your wage bill. I think it's something like £7 million per year. When you look at the players that we've signed um, over the last couple of years, certainly, uh, but but earlier this summer, particularly with Benteke, that, that eats up so much of it. Um, and for us to sign the you know, three, maybe four players we want, we are we're struggling there. To, to fit everyone in, and that might cost us some signings. And when you're talking about a club that's down at the bottom struggling, you know, not only do you need to find a player who you can afford, but that player's got to be up for that fight. The suggestion is that Jenkinson was a player who wanted more money and wasn't really up for that fight. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if that's gone now, but I, I'm not too fussed about losing, losing out on him because I've never rated him. And, I, and I, I'm not just saying that because he's gone uh, as, as an opportunity. I'm saying that because I have never rated him since he came through at chart and was hugely overhyped. <laughs> and went to Arsenal and was shown up for the useless lump that he is then went to West Ham and underperformed Pop and scored against us damn it but he was I just thought he was awful awful I'd quite happily keep Joel Ward there um, and I'm not particularly happy with Joel Ward's form so that's that's how I feel about Jenkinson but Van Arnholt Patrick you're back um, Will yeah. was mentioned you were talking about that what would he add? Well he's, he's, a, he's more of a pure left back than Schlupp is he's also up for the fight obviously he's done with Sutherland and with the same manager and you can get forward and score goals and create goals. So I think there's a lot to like about him. And I'm with you, Chris. I only want players here, one who want to who be here, and two up for the fight. 
So I would target Sunderland players, for instance, like we've been trying to get maybe Lamine Kome, Kone, who signed last year, because you need players who understand what, you, what you're going through. This is going to be a very, very tough battle to get out of this mess that we're in. I don't want players coming here just for the money. And I really think that with you, Jacobson was coming in just for the money. And when we didn't come up with the money for him, he didn't want to come. And we can't afford to just, you know, people think, oh, go out and spend, go and buy five players. Well, that would be great. But, you know, there's, there is a financial part to that people don't, don't get. And we can't just go out and get players in here like Andreas Townsend who are going to come here on big, big money and they're not perform for us. Yeah, exactly. It's so critical. Every signing works at the moment. Yeah. Uh, you just can't guarantee that. Uh, going back to Schlupp, who we were talking about before you rejoined us, Gary Clark got in touch on Facebook saying, uh, we looked far more balanced with Schlupp yesterday. He's put about eight U's in the word Schlupp, which is exactly <laughs> how, how it should be pronounced. Schlupp. Again, the lads next to me who, uh, I believe they were probably German, I guess. They were enjoying saying Schlupp in lots of a uh, variety of different ways. It's good to make, I guess they kind of got the Palace experience of, making your own entertainment for 90 minutes. Um, but he said the team is screaming for a centre midfielder that's prepared to run through the middle rather than sideways or over the top. And on that subject, Sam Allardyce yes. uh, mentioned we missed out on Jake Livermore. Would you like that one? I, I liked him. Uh, I thought he plays... The only problem I have is his personal issues that he had, which is, you know, I don't want to get into that, but you know he has a personal issue that, that helped him, well, hurt him in the last couple of years at Hull. But as a footballer, he's excellent. He's got great vision, great passer. And uh, would have been a good ad. Again, he's also a player that's used to kind of fighting the bottom of the, t- of the table. So he would have been a good addition. So, yeah, he would have been a, uh, a good addition. But real quick, Chris, I don't know if you guys have mentioned Remy, but I think Remy's addition is like a new signing, by the way. I thought mm-hmm. it was really good yesterday. Um, and I think once he gets his fitness 100% back, he'll be a huge addition because I like the way he and um, Ben Tecker played together yesterday. I'll, 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 yeah, yeah, I agree I'll, with that. Yeah, go on, go for it, Will. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. I think... I, I really like. I'm, I'm one of the people that that does like Kabai, and I like Macarthur as well. I think something that we miss, and obviously you're gonna you're gonna point to the fact that we just sold someone who fits this bill. Um, we they're, they're very scrappy and very sort of they buzz around players and they're sort of annoyances. But we don't have that sort of Jeff Thomas, Jednak sort of this is this is our patch and we're you know you're not going through sort of thing. And I, I think it would be great if we could have a central midfielder who could really stamp his authority on the game because as great as MacArthur is and, and I think Kabai showed some effort yesterday more than he has done recently but we don't have that presence in midfield but we seem pretty lightweight in midfield yeah no, I'll, go, I'll go along with that I'm, I was surprised that we were in for, for Livermore and actually surprised that he, he ended up going that, well surprised that Hull sold him um, really really was in the end because he, he was very important for them but um, I do think that I don't know. I don't, I'm trying to think of a player that I would like in the centre midfield. I completely agree with the point being made, but I'm, I'm struggling to point out who, who I would actually pick. Uh, Nick, your views on the on the signing of Livermore would that have been good for you? Well, obviously uh, we missed out. Uh, it doesn't matter now. But I'm actually thinking that see the, the bloke that um, Everton brought on, number thirty-one, got him from Charlton. Those are the sort of players we were going for that we should be going for. I think now, and Not actually, many. you know. Look, man, that's the one. He, he looked class when he came on for five minutes. They've got that Davis, who's very, very young. All right, he's come through the youth system. They, they, they're doing well. We need, I think we're better off plucking the lower leagues for, just for the simple reason. If we go down, there'll be good players in the championship and they might come good. And I know that's defeatist, but we don't, we don't want a complete clear out if we do go down and have strangers. We want to have a few familiar faces in there, which is unfortunately why I don't think People like much will go. Yeah, 
Sorry to upset you. That name came up again, didn't it? Oh, oh God. See, that's another one. When you think about wages being spent and all that kind of stuff, it's just, I think, again, and this is not me digging out the board because it is such a difficult task, but we've had too many signings that haven't paid off late. But, but when we bought him, we were happy, weren't we? We'd, we'd seen yeah, the goals yeah. that he'd scored for QPR and for Cardiff. and Not so much for QPR, but yeah, for Cardiff, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and it's that some players just don't fit with some teams, do they? Uh, that it just doesn't work for them. And, and we've had players where they've done really, really well for us and, and sort of petered out a bit when they've gone anywhere else because they happened to fit our system at that time. You know, yeah, that, Ian, that Ian Wright fellow is one of those, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Chris, there was a tweet out on, um, i got to give credit to it, it's Jack Pierce 88 on Twitter, had put out that other than Dan McArthur and me signing a Wilf, I can't think of any other signings that were indisputable since promotion. I I mentioned him, you know, Jason Punchin, but he's right. We haven't really made a lot of good signings if people were promoted. And that is a, that is definitely an issue with, with what's going on we've, with our scouting division. It really is. Yeah. We've had, we've made plenty of signings that we all thought Vasquez Oh be yeah, at the time. Right? Oh yes. Yeah. That's what I was talking about last week in that massive rant. Where I was going off yeah, about Yeah, I remember. <laughs> it's so difficult. it is it's such a difficult thing to do to change a team. To, but, and we, but, we have to do it. The idea did, that we did, didn't have to is so weird. Chris, didn't you have an interview with, um, when, when we first came up, didn't Parrish come on the show? And in terms of the club getting promoted, that was obviously brilliant and that was sort of on the surface of things. But the reality was the infrastructure at the club wasn't there to actually make good signings. Didn't we have like, uh, wasn't our scouting department one man? I mean, it wasn't, you know, Southampton have people all over the world scouting games all over the world. And we had one person yeah, Tim, you know picking Tim. up youtube clips or whatever it was right tim guy right right chris yeah it was uh, tim co wasn't it i think oh yeah tim go that's the one yeah and we, we also had another interview with a certain dougie friedman who said the first thing he wanted to do to turn the ship around was bring in leaders so we, yeah, yeah. we need to be looking at those players that are gonna pick pick the rest of the teams up by the whatever wedgie or whatever just to get them going so you but know that we've got that to look for as well but that's why Chris and, and Nick and Will, why we need to have a better um, academy system. Because if you look at teams like Everton, like yesterday, you know, bringing on Tom Davis is a, he's such a, class, good he's such a good player. I mean, I know he's Alan Whittle's nephew, which makes sense. Alan Whittle's a great player for Palace. But what a player he is. And the fact that we can't bring through players, you know, cl close to that. And I'm talking about, you know, as good as him. But we, we've got to have, we've got to have had in the last five years a, a left back, a midfielder, a winger that could come in and get in there for three, four matches. We've had in the past, and maybe not in the Premier League, but we've had in the past, and the fact we can't bring up one player, I don't understand it. And people talk about Akemi being decent. And, I, and again, I know it was, it was definitely uh, ne uh, neglected for a few years under, you know, under, well, not even under Jordan, I would say, maybe even before Jordan, obviously, but in the gate, you know, neglected a bit. We really should be doing better with getting players, you know, in the academy that can give us something for a couple of matches. That's that, I'll be honest, that's, it's a whole show on its own, that discussion. Yeah, right? I know. We, we still get uh, tweets every week, people saying, play Kai Kai next week and all this kind of stuff. And we <laughs> we saw what his limitations are against Bolton. And that's not me saying he's, he's not good enough. He's a fantastic potential player for the future, but he's not ready now. I do notice we've just had a caller as well, so I better let them speak. Hi, who's that? Hi, sir. Keith here. Hello, Keith. How you doing, mate? I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, a um, couple of points from yesterday. Um... The first of all, um, midfield, um, and it's, there's quite a lot of debate on the BBS today about it, we were totally out-muscled in midfield. We've just got no strength there at all. I mean, even the, 
the two youngsters that um, were playing yesterday for them, you know, we just couldn't get any, anywhere near them. And then the, they had a the young lad that they just signed from Charlton. As soon as he came on, he went past two of our three, two or three of our players, and got a shot in straight away. And you know, we just cut, don't seem to have any physical presence in central midfield. It's exactly what uh, what Will was just saying. I think so. Um, it's... It, it was it was quite funny watching uh, Kabai go out for a header against Lukaku. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Quite close up. That was a mismatch if ever I've seen one. Also, soul destroyed. But is there anyone out there you can think of, Keith, who, who we should be targeting? And please don't say me, they Jed Knackle, my head will explode. <laughs> <laughs> Keith? Yeah, oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, um, my other point is, uh, and I heard, I think Chris uh, talking about it last week, defending him, but. Uh, um, I thought yesterday, um, until uh, Remy went off, we looked really good. And as soon as he went off, I think it, you know, it had an, even more momentum to Everton. And I, I don't know what, what happened with Campbell, but uh, I said on Friday that they were all fit. I mean, if, if he was fit, he should have been on the bench and he should have come on. Uh, to bring Leon um, to replace Remy, I thought was a bit of a joke. And... I'm afraid I, I watched Match of the Day last night and I agree 100% with what Alan Shearer was saying. Benteke on his own up front, uh, it just won't work. And I, don't, well, I know he's got 10 goals and he's missed a couple of penalties, but I, personally, and I, and I hope I'm proved wrong, I think we will be relegated if we persist playing him up front on his own. He just doesn't work hard enough. Now, I've watched loads of games on Sky and BT before he joined us and I've always thought... Um, he was a casual player, and most people I speak to, you know, think the same. And, and when he joined us, I thought, oh, well, is, is this a good signing or not because of his attitude? And I think with the position that we're at the moment, we really need him to be working a lot harder. Now, there was an incident yesterday uh, that Shearer picked up, and I mean, I, I'm in the Homesdale, so I, I don't really know what's going on with the White Horse in the crowd, but there was a cross that came over from Remy yesterday where, where um, Benteke was completely static in the penalty area, didn't move towards the six-yard box at all. Remy put in a brilliant cross, and there was nobody there. Speaking to a friend of mine last night, he said Benteke got a hell of a lot of stick yesterday for not going on to that cross. And when he was on his own later on when Remy went off, you know, he couldn't even control the ball. Now, we paid a reported 30-odd million for this guy. Uh, and if you can't control the ball, you know, for that money, I mean, you know, what is going on? Can I just have your views on that? Yeah, I, I, I've, I've got. I mean, I've got very, very strong views on, on Benteke, and I, I will mention that Danny Mason got in touch earlier and kind of supporting that point. He said it's all very well defending him, but he's lazy, right? So th- I won't go into too much about what I said last week. Just a quick summary: that bottom line I find is that the Palace like a certain type of striker. The Palace fans, generally speaking, and they want someone who's going to run around. You're not going to get that with Benteke, so he's already uh, onto a loser with certain certain fans now you've justified it your, your point of view very well there Keith what I would say to you I, I actually was was ranting at the game about that that cross but for the opposite reason than I think perhaps most other people in the ground um, I felt that you had Remy out there with time enough to look up and pick out Benteke Benteke has a in terms of the variables of the number of places he can stand in that box you're talking thousands and thousands of variables and he's got to make a decision in a, a split second of where to stand. Uh, and try and pr- to, Is he supposed to predict the ball that Remy's going to play or is the player who's playing the ball going to actually pick out, the, when he's got time, going to pick out the, the position? Uh, let's face it, the, the, a brilliant finisher. 
whatever you want to say about him, he is a fantastic scorer of goals if you put the ball where it's, it's supposed to be. So everyone moaned and said, oh, Benteke's not in the right position. No, the ball wasn't put in the right position. No, Wilf put in those balls, didn't he? No, you're exactly right. And Remy and Benteke have only played together for literally half a match, haven't they? It will come. They, they, they have. You're absolutely right there. I know, but even if you did talk over me to say it, you're right. Um, but, but that's the point, right? It's it's all in how you see it. If, you want, if, you, if you're already looking at Benteke and thinking he's not working hard enough, and you call it attitude, thief. You know what I mean? Everyone, every, every player is different. You know, there's some players who will just will just sort of stroll around the pitch and just be a striker. Now, if he was a player who had Benteke's ability, the, the £30 million striker ability, and then you give him the hard work, you know, he's not, he's not going to be at Palace. You know, we're not we're not buying that player. You know, he's he's at Real Madrid, he's at Barcelona, he's a, he stays at Liverpool, that kind of a thing. But the interesting point you did make um, about his his lack of control. Do you feel that's um, a consistent thing in his game, or do you think that that's something where maybe a lack of service, lack of being involved, or running around without seeing a lot of the ball, sometimes that can affect can affect you uh, when you do see it. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that um, you know West Ham last week. I mean, we didn't get a lot of ball up front, but but when he did get it, um, he didn't he didn't hold on to it that well. Um, you know, if he is going to play up front on his own, um, he has got to hold the ball up and get other people you know alongside. I mean, as a goal scorer, I, you know, I, I think he's a great goal scorer, and I think probably if if he had more movement and more control, he might well have scored more goals for us this season, but. I mean, can you guys there really think that you know playing him up front on his own will will keep us up? Because I certainly don't think it will. I know he hasn't had a great deal of service, and one of the, one of the problems with with our service from the wings is rather than um, you know our wingers going down there and getting the crossing straight away, what they you know especially with Zahar, we're trying to beat two or three players and, and then whip the crossing. If we whip the crossing a lot earlier. We, you know, we might well have a better chance of scoring. But I thought Remy yesterday, or he lost the ball, you know, a few times. But he looks a real, real promising player. I think him and Ben Teke up front, um, you know, could well keep us up. But we really need to play two up front, whether it's him and Remy or him and Campbell. You know, Campbell working off him. You know, I, I certainly think we need to play two up front. And I, I don't, you know, agree with like, having punished in the whole. I think at the moment. Um, uh, when if you know when Sacco comes back, I will bring I will bring Sacco in because what Sacco's probably one of the few, well, the only probably player in midfield with his um, with his strength that can actually hold the ball up. Be interested in your views on that. Interesting shout. That's not one I considered. I'll hand it over to one of uh, one of the others. Who wants to take that? Uh, Chris, I'd like to talk about the, the Remy and Benteke because I think that would. I'm with Keith. I think that would work really well. And I don't think there's any way we're going back to a one up front. It'd either be a three-five-two or four-four-two. So I think that would work really well. Sacco's interesting. Um, I like him as a player, but he's he's a little ponderous on the ball sometimes, despite despite his size. And I think if he doesn't hold the ball up well enough in midfield, he gets turned over quickly. We're going to be in big trouble. So I think we're going to have to figure out the midfield three or four, whatever it's going to be, regardless. Because I don't think that punching. Kabai and MacArthur works at all anymore. I think they're too lightweight. They're two of them are two of them are very similar. They don't really, you know, get stuck in enough. So our evolution is going to have to be to have someone with Benteke because I, I I'm like you because I like him a lot as a goal scorer and as a player. And I think that people asking for him to do other things that he doesn't do doesn't make doesn't work for him. But um, I think Remy can add a lot. But we're gonna have to start scoring goals eventually. And I think the only way to do it is if you have Remy up front with Benteke. Yeah, fair play. 
Um, there you go. And yeah, I'll, I'll just just to add on this, the Sacco point, Keith. Similar to Patrick, it's not something that I, I, I considered. And you know, I have yeah, you know, yes, ponderous is probably a, an interesting word for him. But I thought the last couple of performances off the bench from Sacco have actually shown a bit of promise. He looked a little bit sharper. I agree. We'll see, we'll, we'll see how good the Afcon does him, and um, that's a potential option in there. Thank yeah, you so much for your call, Keith. Got no yeah, last, last yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> because a couple of weeks ago, when I saw that. Um, Birmingham had reported he put in a four million bid. I thought, I thought, blimey, you know, we should take it. But then he came on as sub um, in one of the games, and he looked really useful. And you know, all right, we haven't seen him, um, you know, stay fit. You know, he, he played reasonably well last season. Got an excellent goal at Chelsea. But if he can, if he can stay fit, he, he could be a real <laughs> good. We call it an addition to the side at the moment because also we haven't seen much of him because he's he's been injured for so long. So um, yeah, no. yeah, bang on, bang on there. And um, yeah, the, the, you know he, he made such an impact when he joined us. And what I really like is is, is Allardyce coming to the, out to the press and saying, you know, he's asked to stay. It's not that he, you know he had the option to go himself. He could have gone and got another pay packet, gone and played the level down below, played regular football. But he's asked to stay. And, that's got to put him in the good books with the manager as well. So here's hoping he gets a, a chance to prove you right and um, and to you know help us get out of this mess we're in, really. And I think we'll all be keeping our fingers crossed that the Ivory Coast and the Live uh, both get knocked out this week, <laughs> and we could have them both back for the cup game on uh, on Saturday. Absolutely <laughs> right, mate. Absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to do well. I really do. But I want him back as well. I want every. Anyway, cheers, Keith. Thanks, mate. We'll let you go now. Uh, cheers. Thanks for your Fantastic call from Keith there. Probably out of time to do any more of those, but obviously in future weeks, make, sure, make a note of the number. Uh, can I remember it? 0208-123-6699. I remembered it. And I've, oh, I've got that wrong. Don't be taking out your home number, Chris. That's happened before. Yeah, that has. <laughs> when, I, when, I think of, when, when he mentioned Sacco in midfield, I just kept thinking of Claude Davis for some reason. <laughs> It's always good to think about Claude Davis every now and then. It is. It is. Um, uh, got another message in from Gary Clark talking about our good little run at the beginning of the season was because we were playing to Benteke's strengths. He was almost unplayable against Everton away. Well remembered, Gary. He was also speculating earlier on, I saw, about uh, a potential swap deal for uh, for Shelby and Townsend going the other way, which I thought was an interesting move. I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah a little I mean, bit. They're about. not going to do that, though. No. I'd love to do that. It's just me uh, in the chat. Jedi on the show again is getting a bit boring now. Lots of people started talking about him in the chat room. And he's gone. He's gone. Let's get a replacement. Can we, can we just ban, ban the word Jedi? <laughs> I don't know if we can ban it because people want to talk about it. Similarly, we got another uh, tweet during the week about Murray and Gale. It was, admittedly, oh, it, was, it, was from, it was from Max <laughs> Underwood, who I think he's trolling me at the moment. We're getting about 40 tweets a, a week from him. And most of them seem to be arguing with me. So, but no, I love, love the contact. Always welcome it. But he said we regretting we regretting selling those to you. No, for all the reasons they I mentioned every so week. Much. They like them so much. Go and watch Newcastle. Go and watch Brighton. I knew a bloke who didn't support a team. He supported John Sheridan and went to watch whatever team. <laughs> they Fantastic. I tell you what, right? That is a great player to go and watch. Absolute master, John Sheridan. Yeah. Herb on the ball. Right on the ball. Yeah. But he even went non-league with him, I think, in the later days. 
That's that's got him well, as a manager and stuff. He, that bloke's got to be on a list somewhere, doesn't he? <laughs> he has to be. Several lists, I would say. I support a football team. I support John Sheridan. <laughs> I wonder if anybody supports a ref and goes and watch every one of Clattenburg's games. Absolutely. Oh, just ask him, he'll tell you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, we've, we've pretty much run out of time. Um, I had loads of stuff I wanted to mention, and I was going to pick up a few more comments from Facebook. But I, I don't think I can. I'll, uh, I'll have to leave it there. Thank you so much for all of you who got in touch this week. Uh, to Keith, our caller, and every single person who sent us a message, whether we read it or not. They've all been read, but we didn't necessarily use them all because of, um, well, we kept talking a lot, especially me. Um, so cheers for Tom for producing. Much, much appreciated. I think uh, Terence will be doing the preview show, of course, um, uh, in the week. So watch for that in your podcast zones. Is that a thing? Probably not a thing, is it? podcast zone um we'll be having your four word reviews to uh to end the show in just a minute i've mentioned that to give us enough time to to line those up because i'm a professional um oh well i'm not back next week because uh, i've got a uh, mate of mine is very selfish having an engagement party on the on a football what? race it's unlikely i will be able to see the game on and i certainly won't be sober enough uh to remember any of what's happening if I do manage to see it. So It'll be like the old days then. It will be exactly like the first three years of this show, which... Uh, <laughs> uh, who's hosting? I don't know. Anyone I'm, a I'm in Eastbourne for the weekend for my sins. What are you guys up to, Patrick? We're all fancy hosts of the show. Can't see the match over it. It's not on TV over here, I don't think. The man's no, it's not, no. Sorry, lads. Doesn't stop, us, doesn't stop us from opining about it, though, does it? Yeah, good point. So, uh, <laughs> Very good next- point. Next week, listeners, Tom is going to produce and present on his own for an hour. <laughs> he is absolutely right, yeah. Oh, well, I don't think I'm here the week after either. Interesting. Anyway, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be, there'll be some sort of a show at some point, but uh, look out for the preview in midweek. Terence does a wonderful job with those. It'd be great if you can download that. Um, and until next week, goodbye. Bye-bye. John, bye. Yeah. Palace look better shape. Carl. Good performance, now hopeful. One L, by the way, not two. <laughs> Is that in Carl or hopeful? Lean. Heartbreak after playing better. <laughs> Ross Hubbard. Luck doesn't even out. Ollie Allison. Alice. Yeah, Alice. I've doubted myself halfway through your surname. Sorry, Ollie. Story of our season. The great Tim Green. Finally, some fight shown. We got Nav, regular contributor. Um, Alan Pardee's f***ing legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Andy K, referee, give no breaks. Darren Bennett, better than last week. Matthew Davis, don't blame the ref. Lee Bowman. The wrong words accentuated there, so I'll change it. We are going down. <clears throat> Jimmy Dawes. Terrible subs from Sam. Paul Mark. Last five minutes again! Charlie Gillette. Get it? Sorry, Charlie. Gutted, but much better. He's gutted. <laughs> Daniel Apoku. Remy was pretty good. Lawrence Price, it's squeaky bottom time. 
Let's talk about the next generation of fantasy football at FanDuel. You select a team of Premier League players for a single day's fixtures. That means you're not locked in for the whole season. You can play, watch and win in one day. When your players nail it on the pitch, you rack up points and jump up the real money leaderboard. FanDuel's scoring system uses Optus stats to reflect every player's true on-field contribution. So, outscore your opponents and win cash for your football expertise. Every Premier League match day with FanDuel. And just for Homestale radio listeners, we've got an extra special offer right now. When you sign up, use the promo code PALACE. That means if you don't make money in your first contest, FanDuel will refund your entry fee up to £10. So go to fanduel.co.uk and use the promo code PALACE to grab the offer now. What are you waiting for? Terms apply. Over 18s only. Please play responsibly. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.